Galatians chapter 5 and verse 1. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, and be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you, that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, that he is a debtor to do the whole law. Christ is become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, ye are fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you. Little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. We'll conclude our reading here at verse 11. May the Lord be pleased to stamp with his own blessing the reading of his precious word. As we have the word of God open before us, let us unite our hearts again in prayer, looking now to the Lord, that the Lord will bless the word to all who hear it. Our gracious, loving Father, We do thank thee this evening that we have before us the inerrant, the infallible word. And we know that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. And so we pray for the conversion of the lost. We pray, our Father, as the gospel is preached, that it will bring others into wisdom's ways, from the paths of folly in the dark night of sin to the day of gospel light and truth and forgiveness. O Lord, hear our prayer and bless thy word as it goes out By the internet from this pulpit, we pray that it will bear fruit to the magnifying of our Savior's great name. So, Lord, put thy hand upon us and enable us to speak well of thee. We ask it in the Savior's name. Amen. Galatians chapter 5 and in verse 11. Paul mentions 
the offense of the cross. The offense of the cross. A battle royal was raging in the churches in Galatia. There were those who were preaching up circumcision and the keeping of the commandments as a necessary part of salvation. And to add weight to their arguments, these false teachers said to the Christians, this is what Paul believes. He preaches the necessity of circumcision to be saved. It was a slanderous report without any substance, reality, or fact. Paul took those false teachers to task in the words of our text. Paul said, if I am a preacher of the rights and requirements of Judaism, why am I still being persecuted? If what you're saying is the truth, then the offense of the cross would have ceased. What reason can you give as to why I am still hated and persecuted? Why is my life still on the line if, as you say, I am preaching Judaism? If what you're alleging is fact, then the offense of the cross would have ceased. Preaching salvation through the death of Christ, preaching the blood atonement in Paul's day, was offensive. Many stumbled at it and perished. Nothing with the passing of the years has changed. Salvation by faith in Christ alone is still a stumbling block, a rock of offense to multitudes. Think of it. The only foundation stone for eternity a stone of stumbling. The only rock of salvation becomes a rock of offense. The preaching of peace through the blood of the cross is the answer to man's spiritual want and need. But it is offensive to so many. Perhaps there are those listening to this service who are offended by the cross. Oh, you would be delighted if the preacher would switch the emphasis away from the cross to the commandments, to morality. If the preacher would only emphasize the sacraments and the ordinances of the church. It's a tragedy that Calvary is an offense to you. 
There's no other way to be reconciled with God except by you embracing the finished work. Oh, to you, may the offense of the cross cease. May you be brought to the cross to trust in its finished work. Then far from being offended by it, you will live to glory in it. We want to consider the offense of the cross in a threefold way. First of all, considering the features of it, the features of this offense. The cross is an offense, for it erases human merit. The inclination is in every man to think more highly of himself than he ought. How often we hear people say, I am not so bad. I'm really a good person. And they seek to accumulate merit. They seek to build build up merit before God by their own efforts. Oh, your works are all imperfect. Solomon in Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 20 makes it clear. For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. There are many black lines in the white web of your works. Your gold has much dross. Your wheat has much chaff in it. Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6 makes it ever so plain that all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Paul dreaded that Christ would find him in the day of judgment, trusting in his own merits. This was his prayer in Philippians chapter 3 and verses 8 and 9. He says, Yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but done that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. He came to the place where he saw clearly that no works No merits of his would bring him to heaven. He trusted in the Lord's cross work to save his soul. Oh, no works of merit, now I plead. 
But Lord Jesus, take for all my need. No righteousness in me is found except, except upon redemption ground. The, the cross is an offense for it erases human merit. The cross is an offense because it is the great equalizer among mankind. In the third verse of the little epistle of Jude, there is a reference there to the common salvation. The common salvation. Where I come from, commons are open spaces available to all. In the next town to us, there is an area known as the commons. It runs parallel with the seashore. It has grassy areas and tarmac walkways. And it's open to all. You can walk along and catch the stiff sea breezes if you're well wrapped up. Commons are open spaces that belong to the public. They're for all to share and enjoy alike. And Jude speaks about the common salvation. The cross, its benefits and blessings flow to the high and low. The rich and poor, the philosopher and the peasant. The cross recognizes no distinctions in society. But the cross will not pander to the proud pharisaical spirit. It will not pander to those that trust in themselves that they are righteous and despise others. All must take the sinner's place and have faith in Christ. The cross allows no flesh to glory in God's presence. Before the finished work of the cross, all must smite their breast in unworthiness and come as they are, hell-deserving, guilty sinners. It's the great equalizer among mankind. It brings all to the same level of sinnership. The cross is an offense, is an offense furthermore, for it shows the enormity of sin. At Calvary, the exceeding sinfulness of sin, the enormity of it is clearly seen. It's true. Sin banished Adam from paradise. It plunged the angels that fell into hell. But more than that, sin took the Christ of God 
the one holy and harmless and undefiled and separate from sinners, sin took him and nailed him to the cruel tree. It pierced his side. It shed his blood. We hear the mocking crowd at Calvary with one voice saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And in the spitting and the shame, in the anguish and the suffering of the cross, the sinfulness of sin is written for all to see. And consider what an enormity sin is when only the blood, only the precious blood of God incarnate can take it away. The sacrifices on Jewish altars, the blood of bulls and goats could not wash hearts black with sin, whiter than snow. Only the more excellent sacrifice of Christ could atone for our sin. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, instead of taking offense at the cross, look at sin as it is. It's wickedness in taking Christ and slaying him. Only the blood of God incarnate could pay the price of sin, provide cleansing from its guilt and power. The cross is an offense, for it excludes all other ways. The patriarchs knew no other way but Calvary. What was said of Abraham can be said of Noah, Jacob, and so on. In John chapter 8 and the verse 56, the words are those of the Lord Jesus. John chapter 8 and verse 56, addressing the Jews. He said to them, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And he saw it and was glad. The Lord is saying, Your father Abraham, he saw my day. What did Abraham see? He looked forward through the epochs of time and he saw the cross. He saw it pictured on Mount Moriah. There was a lamb that God provided there. There was a substitute in the the place of Isaac. 
And in that substitute, in the ram provided, Abraham saw Christ's day. He saw the cross work and was glad. He saw the day of salvation and trusted in the Lord. The patriarchs knew no other way. The prophets knew no other way. Peter, in Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, speaking of the Lord, he can say this, Acts chapter 10 and verse 43, to him, to the Lord, give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. Do you see how the prophets, they bore witness to Christ? The apostles, they knew no other way. In Acts chapter 13 and verses 38 and 9, Paul preaching in Antioch, he said, Be it known unto you therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, through Christ, is preached unto you the forgiveness of sins, and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. The apostles, they pointed to none else save Christ and his cross. In Nehemiah chapter 9, the prophet is surveying all of his nation's history. He's recalling the history of his people. And in Nehemiah 9 and verse 27, Nehemiah says, In the time of their trouble, when they cried unto thee, thou heardest them from heaven, and according to thy manifold mercies, thou givest them saviors who saved them out of the hand of their enemies. Nehemiah, he mentions how God raised up saviors, deliverers for the nation. He was thinking of people like Jephthah and Deborah and Samson and Gideon in the time of the judges. Saviors were raised up. But when it comes to the matter of the salvation of the soul, there is only one. There is one Savior. John chapter 6, verses 67 and 8. In these words, Peter can say, John 6, verses 67 and 8. 
Peter can say, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art that Christ, the Son of the living God. The Lord alone has the words of eternal life. He has stated, I am the way, the truth and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Oh, what a tragedy that you should be offended by Christ and his cross, his crucifixion. The features of this offense. But then secondly, we consider together the folly of this offense. What would you say of the drowning man rejecting the rope that is thrown out to him? It's his only means of rescue. But he's offended by it. He will not cling to it so as to be plucked from among those angry waves. And what about the person so seriously ill, spurning the medicine which alone can restore health and vigor to the body? There's the case of the man trapped in the burning inferno, being offended with the fireman who vigorously throws up the ladder against his window. And you would say, every one of them are fools. Fools indeed. But do you not see a reflection of yourself in those examples? What madness on your part, being offended with the Son of God, who alone has power on earth to forgive your sin. Offended with the Lord, who alone can fit you for the inheritance of the saints in light. Offended by the gospel, because it doesn't flatter you. It's for sinners. You're a sinner, as we all are. Oh, that you would take your place as a lost sinner, and you will find by faith and repentance salvation at the cross. The cross is the means that the wisdom of God has devised to save your soul. Its message is just for you. It will supply your great spiritual want. It will provide salvation to the uttermost. And to think that you're offended by it. Is that not the height of all folly? Oh, that you would see the error of your ways and turn with your whole heart 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. The Reverend Charles Berry was a minister in Wolverhampton in England. And late at night, a knock came to his door. He was a brilliant communicator, but he was a stranger to the cross. He continually set before his congregation the example, the patron of Christ. The young girl who knocked at his door was very perplexed, most distressed. She said, I want you to come and get my mother in thinking it was a domestic situation, Charles Berry replied, you need a police officer. Oh no, said the girl, my mother's dying and I want you to get her in. And soon the preacher was at the bedside. And he began to speak to the lady in her feeble state. He began to speak to her of the Lord's perfect life. His worthy example. And the lady became more restless and anxious. She said, Pastor, that's no good for the likes of me. And Charles Berry realized that he had no gospel. And then he thought of the faith that his mother brought him up in. The faith that he was robbed of in the modernistic apostate college that he attended as a young man. And he began to tell the dying woman the story of the cross. How the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. How God was in Christ at the cross reconciling the world unto himself. And he quoted 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9. If we confess our sins, he, the Lord, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And that dying soul found peace through believing. Charles Berry said, I got her in. She went home to glory. Trusting in the blood of the Lamb. And something else happened, he said. I got myself in too. The minister got to the cross. Have you by faith been to the cross? Oh, have done with your folly. Flee to the welcoming arms of the Savior. Be wise. Prepare to meet 
by God and all the preparation that you need is in the cross work, the finished work, the atonement of Christ. And that brings us thirdly and lastly to the finishing of the offense. Those who trust in the work of the cross It's no longer an offense to them. They glory in it. Think of Paul. Turn over the page in Galatians to chapter 6 and verse 14. And you will find him saying, But God forbid that I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. We know that Paul hated Christianity. Saul of Tarsus, as he was, he hated Christianity with a vehement hatred, giving his testimony in Acts chapter 22, and verse 4, he had, to, he had to testify, I persecuted this way unto the death. The gospel is spoken of as this way. I persecuted this way unto the death, binding and delivering into prisons, both men and women. Oh, how he hated the gospel in his pharisaical days. He did all in his power to put to death those who were in the faith. But in the Damascus road, the offense ceased. On the Damascus road, a work of grace, of salvation, was wrought in the heart of the chief of sinners. The chief of sinners got right with God. He lost the burden and the guilt of his sin. He he became a child of God. The Lord said to Ananias, In Acts 9 and verse 15, he's a chosen vessel to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Saul of Tarsus became a new creation in Christ Jesus. And that moment, the offense ceased And from that point in time on the Damascus road, he gloried in the cross. John Bunyan tells us, when Pilgrim arrived at the cross and looked by faith to the Savior, the burden of his sin fell off and was buried in the grave. He then said, blessed cross, blessed 
sepulchre. Blessed rather be the man that there was put to shame for me. Oh, that you would come to the cross and through this shed blood you can be cleansed from all your unrighteousness. You can become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Psalm 2 gives the exhortation in verse 12. Kiss the Son. Embrace the Son, lest he be angry, and ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. May you throw down your puny hands of rebellion, and may you come in sincere heart repentance, and by simple faith receive the Son of God, the man Christ Jesus, our substitute, our go-between, our mighty man of wealth. May you tonight, as you hear his word, may you be made wise unto salvation and come to experience the blessing and the joy that salvation brings. Let us unite our hearts in prayer, please. Our gracious, loving Father, how we praise thee that thou in thine infinite love and tender mercy has devised the means whereby we banished sons of Adam's race might not be forever expelled from thy presence. We know that sin separated between us and God. It cast, it cut us off. It left us condemned already. But how we praise thee for the, the one who was found worthy to bear our sins on his own body on the cruel tree. And we pray, Lord, that those that hear the gospel will hear it to the saving of their souls so that they will never perish but have everlasting life. O Lord, thy word exhorts us to believe, to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ with the promise we then shall be saved. O Lord, bring others to trust in thy finished work and to know with glad assurance it is well with their souls. These things we ask in the Savior's name and for his eternal glory. Amen. Amen.